On March 5th, Pope Francis became the first pope to visit Iraq. Pope John Paul II had planned a visit in the year 2000, but the then leader of the country, Saddam Hussein, pulled the plug. Planning any papal trip is a monumental task. Planning one to a place like Iraq is probably 10 times more complicated, and doing so during a pandemic adds a whole other level of complexity. Still, Iraq is a place where Pope Francis needs to go, not just because it is in the peripheries, but because it is the cradle of civilization and it is the home of some of the oldest Christian communities, a church that was founded by the Apostle St. Thomas himself. It is also the home of persecuted minorities, most of them whom are Christians. Since 2011, it is estimated that some one million Iraqi Christians have left the country. Some estimates say that since 2003, the Christian population has dwindled by 85%. And Iraq is a broken country. Pope Francis wants to reach out to a broken people. And the only time to be with a broken people is while they are broken. It may never be the right time to visit Iraq. There may always be security concerns, but the act of solidarity with a church in need needs to take place while that church is in need. Let's pray that this trip will provide the world with some good news from Iraq, allowing Iraqis to share their hope and joy with the rest of the world. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to an all-new Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I am Billy Chan. And Billy, I'm going to tell all our listeners that Billy, yesterday was your birthday. So happy (laughs) birthday to Billy. (laughs) Thank you very much. You know, this is the first birthday during pandemic. I remember uh, last year we had uh, uh, dinner out, out together in a restaurant. Yes. And... We didn't have it for the whole year after that. Yeah, yeah. And I guess so your birthday would have been just before that first lockdown in March. Exactly. March, March 15th for, for us was last year. Um, so happy birthday. You're, you're Thank 20, you very much. 22 years old now, right? 18. 18. No, you're not 18. <laughs> anyway, so Lent birthdays. Um, I was going to tell you that I, I'm amazed that we're already at, at, in the third week of Lent or, or almost in the third week of Lent. But then I thought yes. that, you know, like this Lent seems to be going very slow, <laughs> that we're only just starting the third week in Lent. It seems like we've been is, in Lent is, for a year. Is it because of, you know, re- usually as a deacon, you are a deacon and usually you have a lot of works yeah. during Lent. But not this year. I mean, you, you still have a lot of works, but not with like interaction with people. Maybe that's how you feel, is it? Maybe, maybe, maybe. I Usually at the beginning of Lent is not that busy. Holy Week is busy for us. Yes. Um, and we're hoping that we're going to have Holy Week. I know the Vatican has already, the Pope has already given us uh, uh, directions as to what you can do during Holy Week and what you shouldn't do. Like there's no washing of the feet. Uh, there's no you need to wash your feet yourself. Yeah. I mean... Although I'm going to suggest, maybe we can start suggesting that now to our listeners, you can do a beautiful washing of the feet thing at home with your family, especially if you have kids, then maybe that's something you can do. I went to, wow. um, Billy, uh, I went, no, I didn't go. I watched a, a friend of mine got married and they, they live streamed their marriage. Uh-huh. And during the marriage ceremony, 
they watched washed each other's feet. Wow, that is an is act that, of like humbleness. I I watched it and I was like crying because <laughs> wow. I thought I thought what a beautiful and symbolic thing. Yeah, so she washed his feet and then he washed her feet. That is beautiful. a good idea. It's really a great idea. idea. I'm going to start suggesting that to all couples that I help <laughs> with with marriage. I, I wish I would have known 25 years ago. Anyway, so um, a bit, Billy, as you heard in my opening commentary, we're we're talking about the Pope in Iraq. The Pope arrived yesterday in Iraq. So yes, this whole weekend, uh, our prayers go out to the Holy Father. Um, it's not an easy visit, but it's an important visit. Um, so, uh, and we're going to be talking more about that. Uh, be, but before that, Jillian is going to join us today, and about kids, uh, and and t- t- tell us what <laughs> she learned from her kids. Uh, a good Lenten lesson from her kids. Um, so that'll be in about ten minutes. Jillian Cantor with what I learned from my kids, and then Billy, you have a question. We're done yes. with furniture. Oh, we are done with furniture. But okay. again, you know, questions is all about. The home, so all about what okay. can we do more at home. So stay tuned. Okay, so because people are at home, so what more can we do at home, Billy? That's coming up, Church for Dummies in about fifteen minutes, and then, um, then yeah. So so going back to Iraq, so we at Salt and Light have been doing a series of interviews, as you know, Billy, yes. um, with various people. One of those people is the Chaldean Bishop of Canada, so the largest Catholic. Uh, church, the Catholic rite in Iraq is the Chaldean church. So mm. the Chaldean Bishop of Canada, uh, Bishop Bawai Soro, such a lovely, jolly man. I had a chance to speak with him uh, earlier in the week. And so I'm going to, we'll, we'll be able to share parts of that interview. He, 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 he talks about Iraq and what Iraq was like growing up and how Iraq really is, is, I mean, the, there, there were more, at one point in time, there were more Jewish people in Iraq and there were Jewish people in Israel. So it's the, the cradle of civilization. Um, and I think that that kind of will put help us put the, the Holy Father's trip into context. Um, Have uh, but, Jesus been in Iraq? I don't know. I, it's possible because, mm-hmm. uh, because all that land was. So yeah. uh, um, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser. So, Bishop, Bishop Sor- so the Chaldean church is the only church where they actually speak Aramaic. So all their liturgies are in Aramaic. And I used to think that it was because the Christians, when they went to Iraq, they took the language. But it's actually the other way around, that when the Jewish people were taken captives into Babylon, they learned Aramaic. And then they took Aramaic back to to Palestine, to, to, to Judah. And then that's why when Jesus was born, he actually, the language of the, of the land was Aramaic. So they both spoke Aramaic. So it's possible that, that Jesus may have been in, in that land of Ur and Chaldea. Um, anyway, but Bishop Soro talks a lot about that. So that people are, I hope that people are as interested in, in that history uh, as I am and, and they'll tune in. So that'll be in about 20 minutes in our second half hour. And then at the end of the show, Billy, we will be reconnecting with one of our artists, Luke Spihar. I know a lot of our listeners really enjoy Luke's music. I do. Um, he's been on our show a few times and uh-huh. Luke has a new album. He's been working on a new album uh, throughout the pandemic. Uh, seems to be something good for artists who have been yeah. doing, couldn't do concerts. Uh, uh, no concerts, but he can be recording. Um, and, uh, and it was recorded in a garage. So, in a garage. Uh, so this album is uh, 
It's not new music. It's comprised of a number of hymns and worship cover songs that have okay. been sources of encouragement for him. Songs that you would recognize, Billy, because they're nice, you know, hymns and worship songs. So that's. I thought uh, you would say it's Chinese too. <laughs> no, but we could ask Luke if he wants to record a, a Chinese worship music. Anyway, so that's yeah. Luke Luke's Vihar at the end of the show. So I hope people can stay okay. tuned. Um, that's great. If they cannot, if people cannot listen to the whole show now be sure to go to our website slmedia.org where you can podcast all our programs and you'll be able to listen to the whole show you can also listen to this program as a podcast on your roku or anywhere where you get your podcasts so yeah, let's start us, right yes absolutely so uh let's start with a song here is luke spihar with a song that everybody knows a well-known and loved him how can i keep from singing from his new album solace Lift 
That was Luke Spihar with How Can I Keep From Singing from his album Solace. And we're going to be speaking with Luke Spihar in about 45 minutes. Now it's time for What I Learned From My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. How are you doing this Lent? Oh, I'm still kind of amazed that we're already in Lent and we're already in week three, (laughs) almost. (laughs) Um, And at the same time, it feels like we never, you know, that we're still in Lent from last year. Lent 2020 (laughs) continues. We never got out of Lent. Yeah, I know. We're we're in week 57. (laughs) My pastor keeps track and he keeps saying it's like day 148 since the first (laughs) lockdown. March 15th, 2020. Anyway, how are you doing? Are you learning any good Lenten lessons from your kitties? Yes, Jane is helping me learn a lot of things. The other kids are back in school. So I've got Jane and Leo here. So Jane's keeping me on my toes with all the things that she shares. Um, So well, speaking of Lent, Janie is really struggling um, with what she decided to give up for Lent. Mm. Yeah, for, you know, how four-year-olds can struggle. (laughs) She she didn't know what to give up. All the other kids were giving up some screen time. And so she just went along with that too. Mm-hmm. And it went really well for a day. And then she started loudly wishing for and whining about wanting to have a show to watch. Could I just please have a show, please? Yeah. So what I thought would be an encouraging pep talk and, a, and not a comparison between children, but what I would really sincerely had hoped would encourage her. I told her a story of when her older brother Joseph when he was four he usually had two shows a day but during Lent he gave them all up he didn't watch any shows at all isn't that amazing Jane I'm like if he can do it I'm sure you can do it and Jane who usually proceeds her sentences with the word ugh looked at me and said ugh our brains are different so that was what I learned from Jane this month is that our brains are different and she's right. Our brains are different. And if our brains are different, then so are our attitudes or our relationships or well, especially our relationship with God, what we're responsible for and what we're held accountable for. All of these things are different. She has no control over what her brother did eight years ago when he was four. That has nothing to do to do with her. Yeah. Her brain's different. So how can she be expected to do what he did? She's a different person. Mm-hmm. So that phrase, I just kind of kept top of mind over the the following week because I thought it was funny, but also just really is there's the truth in that. And so I was just yeah. seeing where does that apply in my own life. Um, later uh, that week, I was driving to the grocery store. <clears throat> and at this one particular intersection, there's often... Um, different women at different times who are standing there holding a sign and begging for money um, for the cars that are stopping at that stoplight. But it's always a different woman, but it's usually the same sign or the same idea behind the sign. Mm -hmm. And, and it always, and I know this speaks to my own sinfulness and it sounds a bit mean, but whenever I see these women, I think, who are they? What is their story? And what, what do they represent? Or what do they really want? Is this true? Is any of this true? So on that particular day, as I'm approaching the intersection and I see this woman with her sign and that same thought goes through my mind, what is going on here? Who is this person? But that thought was immediately followed up by a very loud and clear thought. And it was, well, that's between her and God. That has nothing to do with you. 
And in that moment, I kind of realized, oh yeah, our brains are different. It was remarkably clear to me in that moment that what she was doing had very little to do with me, had nothing to do with me. I was not responsible for her or what her actions were or what she was being held accountable for in that moment. That was between her and God. What I was being held accountable for was if in that moment when someone was asking for help, if I indeed helped. That's what God was asking about me. He was saying, are you willing and ready to help? Had nothing to do with her or her truth or what she was there for. That has nothing to do with me. And I think, I mean, in that instance, but then also in our day to day, it's an important thing to remember, um, whether we're judging others or we're comparing ourselves to others or we're putting ourselves or other people down because of what someone is or is not doing. We have to take a moment there and just say, stop, or wait. This probably has nothing to do with me. Mm-hmm. This is not my responsibility. I'm not being held accountable for this. This is that person's relationship with God. Our brains are different. This is not my thing. This has nothing to do with me. And of course, I understand the idea of community and um, church community and being together and being held accountable to others and helping others. But I think in this instance, what I mean is that it's our relationship with God is what dictates who we are and what we can do. And sometimes, you know, it doesn't really have what somebody else's actions are. doesn't mm-hmm. have anything to do with me. It's just, it, it really isn't my business. I have a friend who says it's not my red ball. It's because something that she's a teacher and one of her students was complaining about something and she's like, well, is that your red ball? And he's like, no, well then, yeah. then don't worry. about it. So that's what she tells her kids. It's not your red ball. Yeah. <laughs> so in our family now it's going to be, well, our brains are different. Like, yeah, we just, we each have our own responsibilities and our own actions um, determined for us by God. And so that's what we can be held accountable for. So for, as for Jane, whether or not she's going to be able to go through Lent without watching a show. I don't know. That's between her and God. As she's already told us, her brain is different than ours. So I couldn't say, um, but I like how she thinks and she challenges me in my thinking. So we'll start with that. We'll see where she leads us this Lent. <laughs> yeah. Already leading us down the path of profound wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> profound four-year-old wisdom. Profound wisdom. She's very, yes. At the same time, I can see how that could be used as an excuse to not do what you should be doing, but, but it is, it is profound yeah. and she does have to find what, what she needs to do and not just do what her older brother, yeah, what everyone else is yeah. doing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. Very good. Thank you, Jane, Janie yep. <laughs> for that. Uh, also, you know, try to be like Jane and start all your sentences with UG and see where that, how that Ugh. gets you through the day. Yeah. Yes. See, see where that gets us as adults. <laughs> yeah. It's Lent. Ugh. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you, Jillian. Enjoy the rest of the season and uh, we'll speak just before Easter. Okay. Sounds great. For a good Easter lesson. All right. Jillian Cantor. She's the writer of a woman's voice and the wife of David, the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Wise Jane and Leo. Hi, this is Dan Ferrari, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. The Salt and Light Hour podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you can take the show with you wherever you go. Now it's time for Coach for Dummies with Billy Chan, who has a question as we keep doing things at home. Yes. So, you know, uh, in Toronto, we 
have communion service, right? Because we cannot have mass during right. the pandemic. Yes. So a lot of people, I see a lot of people, actually get uh, the Eucharist from the priest to home, so to their family, to to the sick, you know, to yes. people in the hospital as well. So uh, and then you know, let's do it step by step. We I want you know the process. So for example. Uh, we have we need to have a special uh, container, you know, when we get the 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 Eucharist, the Eucharist. from the priest, yes, right. Yes. And then after we get it, and we go back home, and what should we do with that? Okay, so let let me back up. Um, yes, um, it is it is it is the norm of the church that there are uh, ministers, and this traditionally would have been the role of the deacon actually to take to bring the, oh. the, the communion to the people who are sick or the people who were not able to come to the, to the church. Nowadays, mm-hmm. we have uh, uh, Eucharistic ministers, we extraordinary uh, ministers of the Eucharist that are usually the ones that take communion to the to people who are sick or, or people who are housebound. They might not be sick, but they can't, can't uh, get to mass. So uh-huh. that's, that happens all the time anyway. Now, of course, during the pandemic, as you said, it's probably happening a little bit more. Um, and there might it might be happening with people who maybe are not sick but are worried about getting sick. And I think a lot of bishops have said that that's still okay. That if you, because if if you're concerned or you have a compromised immune system and and you're you're concerned about your health, that it's okay to not go. So in those cases, um, I I know that a lot of parishes don't have enough Eucharistic ministers to to bring communion to everyone. So I know that a lot of pastors have been allowing uh, people like you, Billy to bring communion uh-huh. home, let's say your wife, or, or if you had a, an older parent at home, that you could do it. Um, that is a special circumstance. I don't think that that would be the norm. The norm is that you have instituted Eucharistic ministers and they are, they are, they are formed I see. and trained and instituted to do this so that it's done a certain way. So it's not like anybody can just take the Eucharist. Um, uh, and, and so, yeah, so you mentioned the, the, the container, it's called a PIX. Um, oh, the PIX. It's called a PIX, P-Y-X. Um, mm. A lot of times, like in our parish, the parish owns the PIX. We give the PIX, PIXs with uh-huh. however many hosts to the minister, and then they bring it back. I know a lot of people might own their own PIXs, uh, but generally, you, you, as a parish, you want to know who's who's taking communion to who. Um, and then there's a little, uh, there's a little, I think there's there's a little liturgy that can be done. I know that okay. that people that go to seniors' homes or hospitals, they'll do. Yeah. It. There's, there's like a short form liturgy if the person's really really sick, or you can do something longer. Um, and, and it's it's usually might include a reading. There might be a penitential rite. Uh, you know, I know when when my mom was housebound, housebound the, the ministers would come once a week, and they would always start with a yeah. song. Um, oh, okay. And uh, so and 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 then the Lord's prayer, and then and then communion. So so. That's that's usually usually what happens. Um, so you you there is something that you can follow, right? It's not about like you, know, you can do whatever you there, want. There, right? there is something you can follow, although uh, I do think that I mean there's no there's no obligation to to follow it. I mean it's just sort of to, to, to help us so that we can create. You're not just handing the Eucharist to someone. Um, mm-hmm. So it, there should be. It's appropriate that there should be a little prayer. Uh, a little prayer. Or, or prayer service or little liturgy or something to, to make it special. Um, 
a lot of times we will say, you know, if that person try to watch mass on TV or online so that they're already, they've already heard the homily, they've already heard the readings, they've already done the prayers, and then communion is brought to them the same day. Oh, that is good. So basically, if the person is not that sick, they can also always follow the virtual mass online and then follow all the, um, the right uh, there, all the process there, yes. and then receive or consume the the Eucharist uh, at the same time when well when the they priest... can if that's possible. Now, what what the norm is is that it should happen on the same day, and it should happen ideally with hosts that are consecrated with that same mass. So, Billy, oh, you go to mass okay. on Sunday. Um, masses that are consecrated, uh, uh, hosts that are consecrated at that mass are the ones that are given to you. That's the one you take home and you give it to your wife who's sick. And she presumably just watched mass on TV and then you consume. I suppose you could go home and then watch mass on TV and then consume, but it should be consumed the same day. So you shouldn't be uh, holding on to that, that host or those hosts mm-hmm. overnight. I see. So is, uh, is it considering uh, a mass? No. So it's not it's not the mass, it's not the mass that we you attended, right? No, no, and that person who is sick has been dispensed from the obligation of attending Sunday mass. Okay. So watching mass on TV, we've said this before, is not yes. uh, is not a substitution for the real mass. It's just something good that we should do or can do instead, but it's not a substitution. Um, the obligation is not to receive communion. The obligation is to attend mass. So receiving mm-hmm. communion is just something good that we can do if it's possible. Um, let me just say that a lot of people maybe can go, but are but are, but but are really scared about COVID and sanitizing and this and that, or they don't want to sit with a mask on for an hour. Maybe they should be going to mass and not, you know, they're okay going to the grocery store, but then they don't want to go to mass. Um, so so. Uh, Thank you for saying this. <laughs> yeah yeah I don't know I know I know it's a difficult one. Um, yeah. But yeah, so so basically there are prescriptions and in, in canon law, it's very mm-hmm. clear what you can do and who can take the Eucharist and how they take it and where it can be kept, you know, like you cannot keep it overnight um, unless you're a bishop or the bishop gives you permission to do that. Yes? Thank you. Thank that you, Pedro. Questions. Very clear. Very clear. All right. Thank you, Billy Chan, our webmaster here at slmedia.org. If you have any questions, you can... Uh, uh, email him or find him on Twitter, B. Joe Chan, and, and uh, we'll address your questions here on Church for Dummies. Coming up in our second half hour, a featured chat with the Chaldean Catholic Bishop of Canada, Bishop Bawai Soro, on the Pope's trip to Iraq and Luke Spihar. So stay tuned. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Pope Francis is the first pope to visit Iraq, a visit that began yesterday, March 5th, and will last to March 8th. It is a trip that is packed with events and with significance. To help us understand the context a little better, I spoke with the Most Reverend Bawai Soro. He's the Chaldean Catholic Bishop of Canada. Here is part of that conversation. Let's learn a little bit about Iraq. Tell us generally about your country. Where is Iraq? Uh, the population, uh, yeah. some, some facts about Iraq. 
So Iraq is one of the ancient civilization. Uh, Iraq is a land uh, between two rivers uh, that coincided geographically on the Silk Road that eventually connected Europe to China. Uh, it, it has a strategic place because it, it is uh, uh, a land that has a lot of water. Uh, the earth is always a place where people came and the land fed the people. Mm -hmm. The civilization of the Shomerian, Akkadian, Babylonian, Chaldeans, Assyrians, all gathered there, and most significantly, um, the, uh, the, the, the ancient civilization like the Babylonians and Assyrians occupied all their neighbors and they imposed their, their culture on them. One of their neighbors were the Jews in Palestine. Mm -hmm. They imposed on them the Aramaic language 500 years before the birth of our Lord. So when Jesus was born from Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit, he grew up a Jewish person, but speaking the language of Iraq, which was the lingua franca of the whole region. Aramaic. Interesting, interesting. I always thought that it was the other way around, that somehow the Jews of the time had brought Aramaic to, to the land of of, as you called it, Babylon, Nineveh. I think a lot of people maybe think Iraq and they think conflict, but as you said, Iraq is the cradle of civilization. Tell us a little bit more about, uh, about how ho the, the holy land of Iraq, that we don't, also don't think that there was a land of Abraham, of, of, of Nineveh, Jonah. Of the prophets of the Old yes. Testament prophets, Jonah uh, and many others. Uh, Daniel was captured in exile there. Yeah. The last person, just like you mentioned, is, uh, is uh, Abraham, who was from Ur of the Chaldeans. Mm -hmm. A man, because he grew up, grew up in that environment, he was touched by that mind. And the first thing he did when he became a responsible person, he came to the conclusion that God cannot be the idols that we worship because we make these idols. God is the God. We must worship him because he made us. Mm -hmm. So that thesis really was a revelation by God and his relationship, his leap of logic, of reason, reaching that faith in God, established uh, that relationship, and it started from or and it developed as we interesting, know. Interesting, interesting. Such a such a rich rich history. Yes. Um, Christianity also, as you said, has a deep roots in Iraq. Um, is it true that the that the church in Iraq or the Chaldean church would have been, for example, founded by the very apostle Thomas? Absolutely. I'll explain how. Uh, the Assyrians and the Chaldeans, year 800 BC and year 500 BC, they went to Israel, to Palestine, and brought a lot of Jewish people into Iraq. Right. Population shift. Ten tribes were brought there. In Iraq, they prospered very much, and they they began writing many 
prophets rose there, and they learned the Aramaic language. Persians came 500 years before Christ, and they allowed the Jews to go back uh, mm-hmm. to Palestine. So when the Lord came, and he told the apostles, he sent his spirit to them, mm-hmm. and the apostles began going and preaching and discipling, uh, Roman Empire hated the Jewish people, but the Persian Empire, where Iraq was, loved the Jewish people. Okay. Because they allowed them to go back. So yes. many apostles came and they began uh, uh, expanding because both the apostles and the Jewish in Iraq spoke the Aramaic language. Right. So the Chaldean church, yeah, yeah, many of us can trace ourselves into Jewish roots. Right. So the Jews came Jewish out roots. of Chaldea with Abraham, and we came as exiles. So there's a lot of connection between the two. Yes, almost full circle. Exactly. Um, I think if I can jump ahead, I think a lot of us uh, might remember the the Iran-Iraq war in the 80s. People will recognize the name Saddam Hussein. But Iraq wasn't always like that. What was Iraq maybe uh, like when you were growing up? When I was growing up, Iraq was uh, truly an amazing country. Uh, Despite all the political unrest that happened there because Iraqis were fighting the imperial powers of the world. They wanted to have their own uh, governments, but there were a lot of internal disputes. Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, there was a spirit in Iraq where everyone uh, loved each other. Maybe until the 70s, we never thought that this guy is a Muslim, this guy is a Kurd, this guy is Shia, this guy is Sunni. Mm -hmm. But later on, especially after we left because of the political unrest, not ethnic or religious, Mm -hmm. when we left, uh, we began thinking more into sectarian. So because in freedom, uh, you begin thinking uh, and, and establish walls and separate yourself from others. Um, so much so, unfortunately, Iraq for the last 40 years engaged in so many wars right. that it destroyed that great, great nation. Nevertheless, the soul of the Iraqis, I think it is still there. And the visit of the Pope, we are praying that probably that visit, the visit of the successor of St. Peter, probably is the only hope that that historic character in the Iraqi will be rekindled and something good will come out of that. Yes, I think uh, a lot of people are, uh, are sharing that same hope. Um, you, you mentioned that the, the Christianity has deep roots in Iraq. And, and you explain why. Um, what is the, po- the Christian population in Iraq right now? I know that a lot of them have had to leave. Yes. But maybe, maybe 30 years ago, what was the percentage of Christians versus other populations in Iraq? 
when I was growing up in the, you know, I was born in the 50s, but in the 60s, the Iraqi population was 7 million only. Mm. But now in 50 years, after 50 years, uh, uh, they are 40 million. Uh, Iraq uh, Christians were always very respected, uh, very important because they are good people. They are givers. Yes. That's what Christianity teaches us. So everybody wanted this, uh, to have part uh, of their existence, of their personalities and contribution. So they lived a very good life. Uh, our numbers were 1.5 million in 2003 mm. when uh, the invasion of when Iraq. The, yes. After the invasion, of course, the internal, not only the external wars, but there was internal trouble in Iraq, the rise of fundamentalism and ISIS mm -hmm. and all those. And Christians began to be targeted so much so that two-thirds of Christians have left. Right. And 80, 85% of that is the Chaldean church. Right, right. Yes. Um, That's why uh, the Chaldean church, uh, with the, of course, with the other Christians, it's the visit of the Pope is always ecumenical and interreligious. Of course. But really the core is the Chaldean Church, headed today by our Cardinal uh, Raphael Sacco. Right. Um, you mentioned that you have uh, great hopes for this visit, and I'm sure that that's shared by a lot of people, a lot of the Christians in Iraq. Would you say then that maybe Pope Francis is the modern-day Jonah going back to Nineveh? Oh, wow, this is an amazing terminology. Thank you so much, Deacon. Honestly, I, I love what you say because it's, it fits squarely into our hearts because that's, it's a matter of hope. You cannot see your parents fighting forever and your family and the extension of all those is the country. We love our countries, although we are Canadians and Americans, but still they are Iraqis, our people. And, and we hope to God, we pray, just like Jonah corrected everything and, and saved maybe the Pope's visit, despite coronavirus, despite the threat yes. of the political situation. But uh, for sure, the Pope has a prophetic courage Mm -hmm. to go there despite all the elements and the local church, the cardinal and the bishop from all churches, mm -hmm. uh, despite all the difficulties, they want to host him because they know it is the successor of Peter. It, right. They know the hand of God comes uh, with the Pope and we pray for, for something good. Yes, Not we enough. pray. And by the way, Iraqi Muslims and yes. all their groups are as excited, as honored, as happy to see the Pope as the Christian. That was part of a conversation that I had with Bishop Bawai Soro, the Chaldean Catholic Bishop of Canada. To watch the whole interview, check out our Apostolic Visit to Iraq page at slmedia.org. You can also watch all the events of Pope Francis's visit to Iraq on our network, Salt and Light TV, and online at slmedia.org. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Luke Spihar, with 
another well-known and loved hymn by John Michael Talbot, Only in God, from his new album, Solace. Only in God is my soul at rest In Him comes my salvation He only is my rock my strength I'm free. 
That was Luke Spihar with his rendition of Only in God by John Michael Talbot from his album Solace. And singing with him on this track is Ali Alia. So it's nice to hear Ali there singing with Luke. Um, even though the album was not recorded and released until after college, Luke Spihar had composed all the music for his first album, Be Still, before he graduated high school. His second album, No Other Way, came a year later in 2011. Then after touring with Ben Harper, Luke Spihar released his third album, All His Gift, an album that was produced by Ben Harper. Around this time, Luke was on our program for the first time. Finally, he returned when he released his 2018 album, The Pilgrim. And now Luke has a new album, his fifth. It's titled Solace that we've been listening to. And it is a collection of hymns and worship cover songs that he says provided him with comfort during this past year. And so... To tell us all about it, I am now joined by Luke Spihar. Luke, it's so good to have you back on the Salt and Light Hour. Always an honor and a great privilege to be with you, Deacon Pedro. Thanks so much for having me. It's just always a good, good. Uh, not that I need an excuse to listen to your music, <laughs> but but and I'm I, and I'm very much enjoying this album. And I don't know, and I want to talk about that, but I wonder if it's because every we all have different emotional connections to a lot of these songs. Mm. Um, um, so but let, let me ask you, the, I guess, the first question, which would be, why did you want to do a new album? I mean, after last year. Yeah, so the, the kind of the beginnings of this album was actually kind of pre-COVID. I, I was in a conversation with a buddy who became the main producer for this album, Jake Armerding. Mm. And if you remember back to 2019, we were at like a fever pitch pace as a culture. I just everyone I talked to was just like, man so busy we're just slammed so much going on and it was you know the economy was at its highest point there's just so many things going on and i just had this instinct and i just said you know we got to slow down we got to yeah we got to return to some of these things that are 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 more true and and again that was coming on the heels of you know just this the whole actually i think even looking further back you know kind of the election of um Clinton, Trump, that whole election. I think after that, I'm like, I got to return to some of these deeper truths that have grounded me over the years. Right. And so I think even I'm now thinking back, it may have even started then. And then, um, and then, you know, about a year from now, uh, March, you know, when, when really everything shut down with, yeah. for COVID, I really kind of had that thought, maybe this is when I was made, meant to make an album that just kind of help people enter in and, 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 uh, and kind of recognize or, or um, uh, just experience that kind of those deeper truths, the calmer things. Yeah. That's really interesting because it's, it makes perfect sense that when we're go, 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 go. And so busy that we need that Sabbath, you know, that solid, that slow yeah. down. Um, and, and, and so I, I'm intrigued by that. The fact that you felt that this, this needed to happen. And then, and I hate to say this because I know it's been a difficult year for a lot of people. They've lost, yeah. you know, loved ones. And, but you know, that God has given us this time to slow down, to, to focus on what's important. Yeah. I, I think that, yeah, certainly one of the fruits of this time and, and it's taken some labor to kind of recognize the fruits, you know, <laughs> yeah. especially, um, uh, 
you know, when things felt like they were going so well and all of a sudden things falling to kind of a screeching halt, certainly in the music world. Yeah. But one of the great fruits is, you know, being able to get way more time with my family mm-hmm. and much needed time with my young ones. That was just yeah. like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just home. I'm just going to be home. Yeah. That's so, great. Yeah. It's true. That, that was a, a blessing. A lot of people have said that. So how did you pick the songs? There are no, so there's no originals here, right? They're all covers. They're all hymns. How did That's you correct. pick them with these songs that you listen to or play all the time to kind of give you solace? Yeah. So one, a great example is that only in God by John yeah. Michael Talbot is just a song that I often warm up to in spaces, you know, in like maybe an auditorium, mm. uh, maybe one of the very first songs I sing will be that one just to kind of claim that space for Christ and just, kind of settle me down, you know, that, that chorus, you know, my stronghold, I shall not be afraid at all. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of, especially when, when nerves are rising for a bigger show, just singing that out into the space and kind of claiming it has always kind of centered me in a powerful way. And then, you know, a lot of these other songs, um, uh, songs like Godhead here in hiding is just always been one of those songs that just, kind of bring me uh, into a deeper meditative place to, to reflect on God's gift in the Eucharist. And then um, how can I keep from singing was uh, actually a hymn that was suggested to me. I kind of put out a big feeler like, Hey, what are some songs that are blessing you during this time of lockdown? Mm-hmm. And someone said, have you considered how can I keep from singing? And when I first started playing it, I mean, just the words were so rich and felt so applicable to this time. I was just yeah. like, wow, this it was very moving even just to play it. So there've been where the King of love, my shepherd has, excuse me, the King of love, my shepherd is, has always been kind of a staple centering song to just remember God is the good shepherd. So yeah, just all these different hymns and songs that um, over the years have have really caught my heart. And I just wanted to make sure I, and there's more where that came from, but these were just kind of, yeah, I can, I can imagine, I can imagine. And, and it's so, I, I can imagine that a lot of these songs maybe have been kind of an inspiration for you in your own music. Um, but I like, I, I like how you've, you've uh, s- s- Luke spiharized them. So that, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like you've really sort of given, not that they needed new life, but you've given them new life um, in, in a way. Some of these songs, you know, were written 150 years ago. Uh, yeah. how can I keep from singing? It was like, you know, late or mid 1800s. Right. So yeah. um, all the way back to, yeah. Augustine or yeah. Aquinas, some of them. Yeah. And, yeah. Way back. To... Yeah. That's, that's, it's, that says something about the power of those words. Um, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to ask you about recording it. Cause if you said, you know, things are locked down and stuff that you recorded, is it true that you recorded in your garage? I recorded it in Jake Armerding's garage, oh, okay. my main producer. <laughs> yeah. He reached out to me and said, Hey, I got it. I've got some microphones and stuff set up in yeah. my garage and maybe you want to swing over and see what we can get. So that went from, uh, yeah, just kind of going over briefly, <laughs> you know, to try to record one song to 11 song album. And we just, we have some funny stories about how that all kind of came about. Cause you're so at the mercy of the weather. It's not, it was like a yeah. relatively small garage with relative, it wasn't insulated. So it was just, yeah. you know, if yes. it was raining, we mm-hmm. had to call the session off and we had, uh, you know, we had some incredibly talented, um, you know, vocalists on the, on the show or excuse me, on the, on the album. But one yeah. vocalist that was not invited was the small cricket that we could not get out of the garage. Oh, so. that's great. 
we're just trying to find this cricket. And if you've ever been in the hunt for a cricket, it's just impossible. Impossible. And we couldn't, yeah. we couldn't find it. So we just had to call the session off because this cricket just okay, kept so, going crazy. So I have to listen. Do I have to listen to the album again and listen for the cricket? Is he there? <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, he's in there. He, yeah, you'll have to. <laughs> listen very closely but he's in there oh that's good that's uh, good um yeah that's a whole other art there music for ambient <laughs> and, and record the rain as well um i i'm very very happy th- uh, with this album uh luke it's it's such a comforting uh <laughs> i hate to say provide solace but it it does i mean it's it's really comfort that the word that yeah. comes to mind um but i don't want to let you go before asking you about new music is there you know have you been composing is there anything new Uh, that you hope to work on soon? Yeah, I'm really excited that this in many ways was kind of a bridge project for me. I mean, it really was an album that was kind of a lifeline through the lockdown of 2020. And it was essential for me to just rest in these truths, you know, that have test, you know, they've stood the test of time, 800 years, you know, many, you know, many of these songs were just written so long ago and I needed to reconnect to that. Um, but through that reconnection, yes, there's been more music that's slowly working its way out of my heart. And um, I, I, I do look forward to um, once this album is released, kind of touring with it as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And then and then uh, and then looking to the next project. Yeah. Well, make sure you let us know, because uh, it's always nice to, to chat and to listen to your music. Uh, yeah. I'm always excited to see what else comes out of out of Luke's Pihar. Yeah. Um, so thank you for this. Uh, thank you for this music. I think it's going to provide, uh, give solace to a lot of people. So thank you. Yeah, thank you. It's such an honor always to be with you. Luke Spihar. You can learn all about him at his website, lukespihar.com. I'm going to put that link on our site so you can find it easily. The album Solace drops next week. There's still time to get tickets. If you're in St. Paul or in Minneapolis and Minnesota, uh, you can go to the album release concert March 13 at 2 p.m. or March 14th at 6.30 p.m. So you can find all that information there at Luke's website. If you missed any part of the interview or to listen to the whole program or any part of the show, go to our website, slmedia.org podcast. And here now to take us out is Luke Spihar with another classic, I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say, from his new album, Solace. I heard the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down, thy listening to Luke Spihar with I Heard the Voice of Jesus Say from his new album, Solace. And that will bring us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs at slmedia.org. Just look for our podcasts. That's also where you can learn more about our artists and guests. You can also listen to this show on Roku and find it wherever else you get your podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look for Deacon Pedro. There's only one of me. You can email me, pedro at eselmedia.org. I always love to get your messages. 
Next week, we'll be dedicating a whole program to the Pope's visit to Iraq. Here's some of our interviews with people in Iraq leading to and after the visit, so you don't want to miss that. I pray that you continue having a blessed Lenten journey towards an Easter season that is full of renewed hope. Stay safe, continue praying for each other, and take care of each other. Thank you for being with us today. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Say I am this dark.